Some of you might be asking what just happened that wasn't on the program, to which I would say it was very much on the program. It was on the Lord's program. We make our plans, but we always write them in pencil and give God the eraser. Let him rewrite them as he wills. Amen, church. Thank you, family. We're going to need his voice. We'll need his voice. I used to very legalistically and arrogantly make a statement that I believe is partially true, but I think I missed the whole point when I used to say it. I used to say that why would you need God's voice when you already have a verse? But I've since learned that there's more to the verse than what is written on paper. There's life in that verse. The, the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. And I've learned that if you'll read it and then let the Holy Spirit teach you, He'll bring it to life. And He'll make it fresh and relevant and timely for you. He'll take something that was written to another people 2,000 years ago and make it fit your situation in the exact moment that you need it the most. That's why the Bible says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. Sometimes we don't know what we need until the Spirit speaks just that precise word in that precise moment to us from His Word and we know that it was something that came from Him and no one else. And uh, the more I walk with God, the more I learn to appreciate His fresh voice that the Bible is not just a historical document written to an age that is irrelevant to us, but it is a living, breathing document that speaks to us. It says the same thing it always said, but it speaks as much to this generation as any. Amen, church? And so we're going to take... Uh, an old text out of the book of Nehemiah chapter 4. We'll read verses 1 through 6. Stand with me if you're able to reverence the reading of God's word, if you would please. And uh, we know historically and contextually this was written to uh, Nehemiah. It was uh, Nehemiah, uh, his record of God's dealings with the children of Israel as they began to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Uh, but we also know that the Bible says every word of God is pure, and the Bible says that uh, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. So we're going to look for profit for us this morning from this old text out of Nehemiah, verse 1 of chapter 4. But it came to pass that when Samballot heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Or in other words, will they finish in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. Hear 
O our God, for we are despised, and turn their reproach upon their own head, and give them for a prey in the land of captivity, and cover not their iniquity, and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee, for they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. I want to focus now on verse number 2, where the enemy of God asked some questions that I think are valid and applicable to us today. He spake before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Number one, he said, Will they fortify themselves? Number two, Will they sacrifice? Number three, Will they make an end in a day? And number four, Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? And today my question to you as a church is simply this, Will we? Thinking you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. It is a rare moment, and this may be the first time that I have taken the words of the enemies of the army of God and give any validity to them for our consideration. But if you'll read the whole book, you'll discover that their questions were answered with a resounding yes. And the reason I want to point that out is the determining factor that decided whether or not they prevailed over their enemy was how they responded to the questioning of their enemy. Many times when people in church are put into question as to where or what or when or why, or how they serve God, just the question alone causes many to just drop what they're doing to avoid criticism. They can't even handle so much as an inquiry because they prefer no negative light. I've seen Christians today start out to serve God, but because somebody questioned their motives and it wasn't even true what they were saying, but it hurt them to the degree that they stopped what God called them to do to, to avoid any future conflict of interest between another party. And I believe that God is in the business of refortifying the strength of soul and fortitude in the body of Christ today. I believe that God wants to reposition His church to be in a position not of weakness and intimidation, but in a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. I believe that today God would look for those churches who are on the verge of destruction if they are not already there and breathe new life into their body and new courage and new vigor to face the obstacles that the enemy is going to bring against them and to decide no matter what that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Many times today people 
can't handle being talked about. They can't handle being criticized. They can't handle being questioned. So they quit. They just give up. And they say, well, we might as well, if so-and-so is going to raise a stink, I'd rather just not deal with the stink uh, than to do what needs to be done. But I'm looking for some people this morning that are willing to raise a stink for Jesus. Amen. Uh, if it means that the body of Christ is strengthened and healed and mobilized for the glory of God, then let the chips fall where they may, but let the church of the living God march on in Jesus' name. Can I get an amen this morning? And the question is, will we? I, I have my entire outline in our text in verse number two. Number one, will we fortify ourselves? Now, I looked up what Webster had to say about the word fortify, and this is how he defined it, to, to surround with a wall, to defend against the attacks of an enemy, to fortify the mind against sudden calamity. Did you hear that? You've got to fortify your mind. To fortify hope, to furnish with strength or means of resisting force, violence or assault and also to raise strong places I like what Webster had to say about that word don't you and I believe that today the church of the living God needs to be willing to reinforce our strength now that is metaphorically speaking we need to rebuild the walls that we have allowed the enemy to tear down in our camps and when I talk about the walls the spiritual walls of the church what I am referring to are those tremendous truths coming straight out of the word of God that somehow or another the church has forfeited for sake of compromise or for sake of avoiding hurting someone's feelings but I say that it's time that the walls of God's word are raised back unapologetically and without fear or favor of men. Amen. We need to rebuild the walls of truth found written in the Word of God. There is, there is no scripture, amen, uh, uh, that is of any private interpretation. The Bible says it. And let me, uh, let me tell you a redneck way of how I see that. Uh, it means that all those scriptures belong to God himself, amen. Uh, and that means I have no right to rewrite it to, or to interpret it differently, but to simply declare it for what it says and let it stand on its own two feet because the Bible does a good job defending itself it really don't need your defense uh, in fact you can go against the Bible and uh, the Bible will remain standing and you'll be gone as the, with the wind amen uh, because the word of God shall stand forever I don't know about you but I'm interested in standing upon that firm foundation called the Bible, called the Word of God, and the principles that it represents, uh, principles of righteousness, principles of truth, uh, guidance for life, guidance for church, guidance for this, guidance for everything that you could imagine. Amen? And we need to fortify ourselves. 
to stand firm on what the Bible says without a t- apologizing. Why I, I've heard preachers get up and preach, uh, and they'll read what the Bible says plainly put, uh, and then they'll add so many disclaimers to it that with their traditions they've made the Word of God of none effect. But it's time that we just preach it as it is to people as they are and worship a God as He is. Can I get an amen this morning? Ah, but will we? Will we fortify ourselves with nothing more and nothing less than God's Word and God's voice? You know what the Bible says in the book of Ephesians, chapter number 6 and verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand and I'm praying that God will fill this place up even more so than what we already have with people with an undying and unwavering commitment and faith in the Word of God and for the Word of God. Amen. Uh, that come what may, we're going to stand on the side of the Bible. Amen. That's exactly right. Uh, but this culture today, this culture is trying to uh, brainwash a whole generation into just going with the flow. Just whatever they want to do just don't raise a fuss don't raise a stink don't speak against it you might offend somebody well quite frankly I've been offended by what they've been over there doing over there in Washington DC since I was old enough to have any sense about what was going on but they've never cared about it hurting my feelings amen they've never worried about offending the Christian have you ever noticed that Amen. So we, uh, let me get this straight. We do all the giving, you do all the taking, and we just keep our mouth shut. That sounds like tyranny, if you ask me. That sounds like anti-freedom, if you ask me. And I'm not here to preach a political message, but I am here to preach a biblical message, and that is that we should be willing to stand for God's Word no matter what this crowd has to say about it. Amen. We need to stand our ground and we need to fortify our church based upon the Word of God, not on opinions, not on policies and procedures, not on all kinds of stuff that we can concoct to do things the way we want to do them, but simply strip us down to the basic necessities and essentials that the Word of God gives us and we learn that we are fully equipped unto every good work by the Word of God alone. It is all sufficient for what the church needs to, uh, to not only be alive, but to thrive in this day in which we live. I don't know if you've looked around and noticed. I know our attendance is up and down depending on which week it is. Uh, just get used to that. That's the times we live in. But I, I can also say that I rejoice that God's doing something. Amen. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but God's been saving folk. Woo! Amen. God's been allowing us to baptize a few folk. I'm bragging on Jesus this morning. And I just want to rub it into the devil's face just a little bit this morning because he's been telling me for years, you can't grow a church in this Laodicean church age. And he's been trying to convince me, amen, that the church can't grow and thrive and prosper and do it biblically. But the devil is a liar. Nothing will work but the way of the Bible. Amen. Nothing will work but what the Word says will work. 
And I've learned that you can build a great establishment based on anything but the Word of God and great, get a big following. Just because it has a lot of people don't mean it's a real church. Amen. I believe if we'll stay tried and true, if we'll fortify the fortress of the church with the Word of God, it'll be impenetrable. It'll be unstoppable. Amen. It'll be something that'll bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ alone. And that's what we're after this morning. We want to refortify, but will we do that? That's up to us as a church to decide. I pray we will. Amen. Number two, though, will we sacrifice? Will we sacrifice? Webster said of this word, it means to offer to God in homage or worship, listen, by killing and consuming as victims on an altar. To destroy, surrender, or suffer to be lost for the sake of obtaining something. To devote with loss. To destroy, to kill. You know what that reminds me of? Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. God's not asking anything too much when He asks for you to die to self and live for Him. Are we any better than our Lord? who gave everything to do the will of his Father. And that's exactly what being a follower of Jesus is. Dying to self to do the will of your Father. That's it. That's, that's the essential, that, that's, that's the core of Christianity. To, to be a disciple of Christ is to do what Jesus did. Jesus said, I speak only what I hear my Father say. Jesus came to do the will of his Father. And we act like we can do our own will and God will be pleased with it. And Jesus himself couldn't even get by with that. And you think you are going to get by with it? Doing it your way? Nope, you're not going to get by with it. It's time for the church to say, you know what? Lord, this is not my life. This is your life. You bought it. You paid for it. Whatever you ask me to do, if you'll give me the strength to do it, I will do it with all of my heart. Amen. And quit making excuses for why we can't invest our time into the kingdom, as Elijah said earlier. Quit making excuses for why we can't make the sacrifices that it's going to require to build the walls for the church of the living God. It's going to take some people that are willing to die to self, to be unselfish, to be motivated by what pleases the Lord and supports His church. Can I get an amen? By the way, the church is the bride of Christ. And you better be careful how you talk and run down his bride. He don't take kindly to his bride being beat up on. I, I got a preacher friend said he, his first church he pastored, he was a little too rude and crude to him. He said when he, uh, when he resigned, the Lord told him, said, if you beat on my bride again, I'll kill you. And we think that we can just disregard one another and treat each other like trash. 
Come on now. Am I hitting a nerve this morning? Oh, we don't do that here, do we? Amen. I hope we don't. I pray we don't. But we should always be on guard to resist the temptation. Amen. Because we are, this is bigger than any one of us. And we need to be willing to sacrifice self, will, time, resources, whatever the Lord wants. This is yours, Lord. He said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God renewing of the mind so that comes with being a living sacrifice uh, if, if you're going to die to self and live for Christ you're going to have to change your way of thinking you're going to have to replace your thoughts with his thoughts your ideas with the Bible amen and if you can't understand the Bible get under a good Holy Ghost filled preacher and teacher and let them teach you something amen but also get in your prayer closet and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes and understanding and he will teach you some things if any man lack wisdom let him ask of God which giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not and it shall be given him that's a promise from the word of God have you ever had that experience where you sit down and you're reading something and you don't understand it, so you ask the Lord, Lord, give me understanding, and it's not long, and the Holy Spirit will begin to turn the lights on. Turn the lights on. And you know what he's doing? He's replacing our way of thinking with his way of thinking. And a lot of divisions and isms and schisms in our churches today are a direct result of the way people misunderstand the Bible. And they need, Paul said to that one crowd, he said, uh, I think it was Paul, uh, you're teachers, but you still in need of being taught yourself. We, we, ne- we should never get to the point to where we feel like we've arrived in our understanding. That there's nothing more to learn. That there's nothing more to hear. I've heard it all. I've read it all. I, I've got my... Head wrapped around my theology preacher. Don't bust my theological bubble. Please quit preaching that stuff. You're messing with my theology. Well, I've learned that God will mess with your theology when your theology's off. And I pray that if I'm off in any area, that he'll, bubble, he'll bust my bubble of theology and get me right. Because I don't want to be wrong on any of God's word. I want it right. I want it gum barrel straight, as they said back in the day. Amen. I want the Word of God in its purity and in its entirety, and I don't want to, to, to be in the shadows on something that God wants me. And so many people today, they build for doctrines the commandments of men because they have not the spiritual understanding that comes from the Holy Ghost of God. But God, may He overtake His churches today with the power of the Holy Spirit to enlighten our understanding so that we can see some of us for the first time what it's really all about. but we're going to have to be willing to be sacrificial 
our will, our ways, our understanding. God, replace my thoughts with your thoughts. Replace my vision with your vision. Replace my talk with your talk. Don't let me say anything you wouldn't say. Lord, replace my ears with your ears. Don't let me hear anything that you wouldn't want me to hear. Amen. I, Lord, replace everything in my life with you. And when we sacrifice ourselves, we can begin to see God do a work. Amen. The third question is, will they make an end in a day? And the way I've phrased that is, will we finish? Will we finish? Will we? It's easy to get started. You know, many people, the Bible said, they receive the word with joy. But by and by, because of the word, the same word they joined in because of joy is the same word that ended up offending them. God wanting some people who's willing to both receive the rod and the staff. You know the difference? The psalmist said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Amen. He said, thy rod and thy staff, they both comfort me. It's the same rod. But when it's used as a rod, it's used for correction. When it's used as a staff, it's used to rescue you from danger. It's the same instrument used both for correction and for comfort. And mature is the Christian that can receive both correction and comfort from God's Word and not get offended. I'm talking about, I'm talking about building the walls. I'm talking about refortifying. I'm talking about sacrificing. I'm talking about if we want to finish the race, we can't be easily... <sighs> Turn to the side. And I'm only trying to help us this morning. You know what I thought about? I thought about Peter. I thought about Peter. Peter, if anybody had a right to be offended about what Jesus said directly to one person or individual, it was Peter. You remember when Jesus looked at Peter eyeball to eyeball and said, Get thee behind me, Satan? Good night. But did Peter leave at that moment? Oh, don't get, wrong, don't get me wrong. It started upsetting the apple cart a little bit. At, at some point, Peter, in fact, it was the night of the crucifixion when he denied thrice that he even knew the Lord. But Peter ultimately came back around because something you say, what was going on with that, Gary? Obviously, Peter was not Satan, and Satan was not Peter. They can't be the same person. Peter was simply being influenced by the voice of Satan and echoing what he heard the devil saying and being a mouthpiece for the devil and not even realizing it. And so Peter had to develop a level of spiritual maturity to understand that when he was being corrected, he shouldn't take it personally. It's just the Lord's addressing a spirit that has too much control over him, and he needs to be willing to learn and discern and make the necessary adjustments. If you're with me, say amen. I'm just talking about, listen, if we're going to finish what God started in our lives, if we're going to finish what God started in this move of God at Washington Heights Baptist Church, then we need to fortify our spirits to be able to receive both comfort and correction from the, the shepherd's rod and staff. 
Christ, listen, who was on the cross. I'm shifting now, I'm shifting. Christ who was on the cross became our substitutionary sacrifice. Does anybody have a problem with that? Okay. Now here is something you may or may not have heard. Just as Christ became on the cross our substitutionary sacrifice, He also became in His resurrection our substitutionary life. And here's the Bible for it. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Did you hear that middle part of that verse? The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. You say, I don't have no faith. Good. Swap it with Jesus' faith. Amen. Ask the Lord for Jesus' faith. Because Jesus' faith is pure. Did He not just say, I live by the faith of the Son of God? You see... When we die to self, see the succession of events. When we die to self, when we become that sacrifice, when we are crucified with Christ, it doesn't end there because then comes resurrection. And now that we're buried with Christ in baptism, we are risen with Him in newness of life. That means uh, we are no longer our own. Uh, and that means we can do mighty exploits for the King of kings and Lord of lords, not because we are doing it, but because He's doing it through us. Genesis 45 and verse 24 says, So he sent his brethren away, and they departed. And he said unto them, See that ye fall not out by the way. You know how you're not going to fall out by the way? Just letting the resurrected Savior live through you. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus finishes what he starts. He that began will finish. He's the author and the finisher. He's the first and the last. He's the alpha. He's the omega. You get the picture? So if he started it in our life when we were buried with him in baptism, died to self, then he will finish it in our life when we are raised in newness of life through the power of Christ. God will finish what he started in your life, but only through his power, his substitutionary power that is not just to supplement your efforts, but completely replace your efforts. God is not interested in merging his powers with yours. He said, Thine is the kingdom, Thine is the power, Thine is the glory. All the power belongs to Him, and we should become as nothing before Him so that He can become everything in our lives. Now, 
this way is going to get rough sometimes. And as I take the oversight thereof as the pastor of this church, there are going to be times that I'm going to hurt your feelings. I can assure you that's not my intention ever under any circumstance whatsoever, not even in the most vivid of imaginary worlds. There might have been a day in my life that I got a kick out of trying to offend people. But God has stripped me of that religious spirit. and Thank God he has. I don't want anybody left behind. I don't want anybody. I'm not going to be one of these preachers as well. Let, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you, they'll say. I really don't want you leaving. I want you all the way in and enjoying your walk with God. Just because we have a disagreement doesn't mean we should part ways. See, that's the way the devil builds those walls up. He tries to get us to get mad at each other, vent, and get angry, and all of a sudden we're giving people a piece of our mind, but we have salvaged a good relationship over something that wasn't really that big a deal. My interest is that everybody here in this building that God has made a part of this church not only survive the journey together, but thrive together. But I need to give you a, a, a caution. If in the event God instructs me as your pastor to speak truth to an uncomfortable situation, I must. And you need to understand that. And you need to trust that I'm only doing what I feel led of the Lord to do. And it's not personal. But if we're going to make it together, we can't sweep things up under the rug and pretend like they don't exist. That's the recipe for undefendable church. A church with no defenses. Is when we don't recognize the rubble that's around us and we don't call it out. See, the problem some people have in our churches today is they don't see a problem. But they're only looking with the natural eye. But in the spiritual side, if the man of God is sent by God, the Holy Spirit's going to show him things on a spiritual domain that the natural eye is just not going to see. And we've got to trust that the Holy Spirit is showing us things that we need to address if we are to move forward as a church. And, and, and if I get up in here and I call something rubbish that we have built a monument for, but I'm in the Bible, we can't be offended by that. We should be offended at our own condition rather than the mailman. It's awful quiet this morning. I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to give you some perspective this morning on my philosophy of ministry as I see it from the Word of God and often my approach that can be somewhat, it can make it a little prickly sometimes. 
Gary Lutrick is a good friend of mine. And I would never do this, okay? <laughs> I would never do this. He got saved on fire for God. This was over 30 years ago. And his preacher was up preaching on hell. Brother Gary Lutrick didn't know him better. He was one of them hoopers and hollers and shouters. If God got on him, he'd just let it rip, you know. And ordinarily that was fine because the, the church was a shouting Baptist church, so they didn't have no problem with that. But he got up right in the middle of this preacher preaching on hell and got to hooping and hollering. And his pastor, I kid you not, said, Sit down, coconut, I'm trying to preach. You know what Gary Lutrick did? He sat down and let the man preach. And he stayed faithful and remained loyal to the spiritual leadership. Because, see, that man that called him a coconut was also the same man that pulled his family out of a dire situation and gave him a place to live in when they couldn't even afford rent. Before they was even saved or members of the church and just loved on them. And they started coming to church rent-free. And the church was just loving on them. And they were sinners and God saved them. You know who Gary Lutrick is now? His, him and his family been singing all over the country and around the world and preaching the gospel. He's a full-time evangelist. Led thousands to the Lord over the years. But he didn't get offended when his pastor put him... Now, I don't advocate for calling people coconuts. That's not my style. But I do try my best to be bold enough to say what needs to be said even when it makes me extremely uncomfortable and fearful that some might fall out by the way after I've said it. And it breaks my heart. And my prayer is simply this. I want everybody to hear me when I tell you I am your friend, not your enemy. I am your pastor, not your pesterer. Amen. And I love you. I'm in your corner. I will fight for you. If need be, I will die for you. If God helps me and if that were the requirement. And I don't think that any of us should be left behind when God wants all of us in on a great move of God. So will we finish? I pray we are. I pray we do. And then the last question is, will we revive from out of the rubble? And really, this church needs to answer this question for yourselves. I, I would like to answer it for all of us, but every individual is held responsible for where you play a part in your walk with God and in the process of this church. And we admit when there is rubbish, or will we continue to pretend that we have walls when they are but ashes in a heap. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 24. And to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant into the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than of Abel. Than that of Abel. The Bible says see that you refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth. Much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. Whoso, excuse me, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And I believe in this day and age in which we live, before the trumpet sounds, God, one more time, is going to sound his alarm loud and clear, and he's going to shake both heaven and earth with the glorious gospel of Christ. 
calling all men to repentance and holding accountable those who refuse to hear the voice from heaven. And this word said yet once more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. And that's my prayer, is God shake it up till the only thing left standing is the pure, undefiled Word of God and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, as a virgin, white snow, a virgin standing before her groom as the bride of Christ. Amen. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. As we listen to that voice from heaven, from the Word, from the Spirit, and it's all in sync, it's never contradictory. May we understand that He seeks to bring us revival. That from the rubbish and ash heaps of churches all over America can arise a new uh, church that decides uh, that we're going to rebuild the walls that we've forsaken long ago. You know why Israel lost their walls? Because they began to worship false gods. They began to put other things before God. And before you know it, they were in the enemy's camp. Uh, and before you know it, their city was destroyed. If you go on and read, you'll discover that they built the walls before they even rebuilt the city. And they had a few in number. They moved into the walls, but there weren't even any houses built yet. It was still in rubbish. But they knew first things first was a defensive uh, objective. And if they didn't have a defense with which to protect the rebuilding of the houses, then they would labor in vain. And you know what the church needs to do? We need to realize that unless we hold firm the foundation of God's Word as our defense uh, no matter what we build we build it in vain because it'll all be rubbish on judgment day if it's not standing upon the rock of Jesus Christ <laughs> Nehemiah 4 we read then he said here are oh our God verse 4 for we are despised we need to get back to praying amen and turn their reproach, reproach on their own head the world is laughing at the church because we seem powerless. We seem as if we have a form of godliness, but we deny the very power of God to be at work in our midst. And so we need to repent. We need to call on God. And then the Bible said they prayed and give them for a prey in the land of captivity. Cover not their iniquity. Let not their sin be blotted out from before thee, for they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. And so built we the wall. And all the wall was joined together under the half thereof for the people had a mind to work. We just got to make up our mind that we're going to work. And we're going to do the work. It's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. We're going to serve in prickly places, but so did Jesus with the crown of thorn on his head. But that was just half the wall. And Nehemiah 7.1 becomes a fulfillment of the entire wall. Now it came to pass when the wall was built that I said, and I had set up the doors and the porters and the singers and the Levites were appointed uh, that I gave my brother uh, Hanani and Hananiah, the ruler of the palace, 
charge over Jerusalem, for he was a faithful man and feared God above many. Then uh, verse 3 said, And I said unto them, Let not the gates of Jerusalem be open until the sun be hot, and while they stand by, let them shut the doors and bar them, and appoint watchers of the inhabitants of Jerusalem, everyone in his watch and everyone to be over against his house. Jeremiah was sent essentially as a prophet of God to call the nation of Israel back to repentance, back to rebuilding the wall. He was their spiritual watchman that got a vision for what could be when, nobody else, when everybody else lost hope. But he led, a, uh, he led people into how to build that wall and they built it up and then at the end. So God sent in the watchman up front and then, uh, then he followed up and said, now you still need watchmen. Just because you got a wall don't mean you don't need to keep a watch. And it, he still required men who would sound the alarm if they saw a threat up over the horizon. And God still calls preachers today that will call warning out whenever we see threats over the horizon. And I'm here to tell you today, as, uh, as the pastor of this church, uh, it is my full intention to fight off wolves and to love on the sheep. Amen. Uh, and I'm not going to turn you into a wolf if you're a sheep that's misguided or if you're a sheep that's misunderstood. Uh, amen. I'm going to try to love you. I'm going to try to help you. Uh, and we're going to have to try to help the Lord discern the difference between a quarrel between men and a spiritual division that Satan has used to try to create division in the church. You are not my enemy and I'm not your enemy. Let's fight the real enemy on our knees called the devil and love one another. Amen. And that's how we'll win every time. And, and we need to be willing to hear that watchman calling it out. Say, hey, better watch out. Amen. You better, hey, listen, if we'll, if we'll, uh, if we'll answer these four questions in the correct manner, I believe we could see God reinforce Restrengthen, revive, revitalize, and every last person in the church can get in on what God's trying to do. Everybody stand to your feet. I'm done. Would you come play on the piano for just a minute, Joe? Father, in the name of Jesus.